model of dedication to family, community, and Torah education. I mean, it sounds like a like an insignificant statement. It's like something you could say about anybody. But I could attest to the fact that it was true. All of it, the wonderful family, an association with the community, and education worked very hard to uh, move Frisch along, make it a better place. So what I'd like to do is talk about tshuva. It's like an, not an easy thing to talk about. Because everybody's in favor. And everybody wants to repent. Everybody wants to... So what should, how to approach this? I mean, the reason that I want to, to talk about tshuva is primarily because what is called parashata tshuva, this very love is in the parasha of Bitzavim. Oh, you haven't got diet code? I mean, you've got to go. If it is bad, it's got to go. Diet Coke is the way to do it. Why water? I mean, I guess water makes you feel young. All the young people drink water. I don't know what they do in private, but in public they drink water. So this parasha, Dvarim Perik Lamed, is in the parasha of Mitzavim. This parasha is called Parashata Tshuva. And uh, we want to look at it a little bit, but before we look at it, let's look at the Rambam. The Rambam, you know, wrote a section of his book, it's called Hilchot Tshuva, the laws of Tshuva. And you know, there was some controversy about the Rambam. In fact, we call it the Maimonidean controversy as we call it. Not everybody was happy with what the Rambam had accomplished for a variety of reasons. But one of them was that that he sort of gave a lot of deference to philosophy, philosophers, Greek philosophy as it was represented by the Arabic philosophers, the translators. Some people didn't like that. In other words, if you would say to me, nothing has changed, you're right, nothing has changed. That, so the Ramban, who lived several hundred years after the Rambam, and also did not like the fact that the Rambam gave deference to philosophy, that he kind of quoted Aristotle in a positive way, the Ramban, right, Nachmanides, but when they had this controversy, and it got out of hand, so much so that books of the Rambam were burnt. I mean, book burning is a bad thing for the Jews. I mean, today it's different because we have Google. But in those days, you only had books. For Jews to burn books, so they didn't burn the books, they caused the books to be burned by Dominicans. Well, that was bad enough. So the Ramban said, the Ramban said, you have to stop this right away. So he said to the Ramban, but look what he wrote. He, he wrote that we should study philosophy. I mean, that's where we get answers. So the Ramban said, and he wrote some of this in the Yad Chazakah, his book of Halakha, in the first section 
Right, the first book is called Sefer Hamada, and the last section of the first book, Sefer Hamada, is called Hilchot Tshuva. And the Ramban said, "But if you don't have the Rambam's book, you won't have Hilchot Tshuva." Was the Ramban said that Hilchot Tshuva is so important that it even covers up? The transgression of having a positive opinion about about philosophy. That was the opinion of the Ramban. So look at what the Ramban wrote. The Ramban wrote, if you look on the on the back side of the sheet, look at this that, uh, the sheet you see in Halakha Aleph, the Ramban says, you see in the middle of the of this page, the Ramban Milchotchuva, mm-hmm. Perik Aleph Halakha Aleph. The Ramban says any mitzvah, if you deny the mitzvah, you don't do what you're supposed to do, you don't avoid what you're supposed to avoid. If you transgressed, whether purposely or accidentally, the Ramam says these words again. What does that mean? When he will do tshuva, which seems to indicate that the Ramam did not think it was a mitzvah to do tshuva. It was not obligatory. What was the motivation for doing tshuva? The motivation is the person himself, that he can't live with himself. A person who has transgressed against the Torah, he's got to do something. He's got to clear, he's not becoming an apostate. That would be easy, but he's remaining a Torah committed Jew, the Kodesh committed Jew who's done a transgression, it's a problem for him. I mean, how do you get through? How do you get through it? You do tshuva. So the chidush in the Rambam is, second chidush, the first chidush is that tshuva is not a mitzvah, according to this analysis, which was instigated maybe by the Minchat Chinuch, and, and uh, uh, that, that doesn't matter, but it says, Chayav Litvadot. Lifnei hakel baruchu. You have to confess. That's a mitzvah. That is a mitzvah. That the process of tshuva is not something which remains in your heart, in your mind, in your psychology. That's not enough. But you have to actually state what you did and that you are repenting from that tradition, from that transgression, and that you beg God to atone, atone you. So that the interesting thing that the Rambam says, that according to this analysis, and I admit that the analysis could be denied, but I like it. Let's accept it for today. That the Rambam says that tshuva is not a mitzvah. Tshuva is a human reaction to an emotional or psychological problem that you have. You're not okay. 
You're standing before God and you've got this blemish on you. What are you going to do? So the Ramah says, do tshuva. Now in the Urayim, the Sefer Urayim, Rav Lozav Emetz, Arisha. Arisha means like a thousand years ago. He writes that there are different times that a person can do tshuva. But the first time that you could do tshuva is any day of the week. I mean, right away. And don't we, when we say Shmon right? we say a paragraph, what are we doing that for? Because there may be a recent sin that we've committed since yesterday. So the Uraim says, every day. Every day you could do tshuva, or any day you could do tshuva. When you feel, when you feel the need, you know that you did something wrong. You know that you're not, uh, that you're not besedah. Right? So that's a time for tshuva. So in that case, what is Yom HaKippurim? I say Yom HaKippurim because I think next Wednesday after, after Tzom Gedalia we won't have a shir. I know I thought we would, but I looked at the, at the times and it's a little difficult. So, I'm going back now. So, every day is a time of tshuva. So what exactly happens on Yom HaKippurim? I mean, every day is a day of tshuva. I mean, so what's the issue? I mean, if, if a person could do tshuva today and wants to do tshuva, so he's obviously not going to wait for Yom HaKippurim. And that really doesn't make any sense. And if a person doesn't do tshuva, so what's Yom, how does Yom HaKippurim help him? The day helps, the last chance. Okay, it's true, that's what it says. So what does that mean? That the day helps them. I mean, if I do tshuva so remember that on Yom HaKippurim we have an agent that begs for tshuva on our behalf. And that agent is the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol v'chiper ba'ado uva'ad beito uva'ad kol am Yisrael. That's the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol has a special job. Now this seems to be to be directly in contradiction with the first position I mentioned with the vision of the Uraev, who said, look, if you did it, I better do tshuva right now. What's happening at Yom Kippurim? Well, we're going to put it in a little bundle. We'll put a bunch of Averas in a bundle and we'll wait for the Kohen Gadol to take care of it. That seems to be counterindicated. So I think, I think that that tshuva that uh, the tshuva of the Kohen Gadol is for transgressions that we don't know that we have committed. Either because, either because we didn't know that it was forbidden, or because we didn't know the halachic niceties involved, like sometimes you do something and you think you're on the right side of the law, and it turns out that you're not, and you never find out. You never know that you've done something wrong. 
because you know, all right, you know, if you murder somebody, you know that that's a bad thing. But if you if you talk lashon hara about somebody and you don't mention his name, is that called lashon hara? So you don't know. You really don't know. You know that the Chavetz Chaim's son, I always tell you, the Chavetz Chaim's son who helped the Chavetz Chaim write the Mishnah Burah, never talked. He read his father's book, and he never talked. I mean, he talked the great Torah, but he never talked stam, you know, with people, because he was worried. He was worried that he'd fall into the trap of Lashon Hara. So that we come to Yom HaKippurim, with a bundle of things that we don't know that we did. We don't know that we have to do tshuva. It doesn't affect the psychology within us about goodness and badness and who we are and what we are and what we should become. It doesn't affect all of that because we don't know that we did it. So those they wrote are taking care of Anyom HaKippurim. Because we want to do tshuva, but we don't know that we have to. I mean, what can we do? We know that we want to do tshuva, but we don't know that we have to do tshuva. And so the Kohen Gadol does tshuva on our behalf. And what's the residual? I mean, today there's no Kohen Gadol and there's no Beit HaMikdash. So what do we do? What do we do? You must have noticed. We say, And then we list things. You say, me? I didn't do that. I didn't do this. What did I do? Go around and do, I do all the things in the list here. I mean, that's crazy. But what it means is, you may have done something which in some way leads into any of these averot. You don't know that you did it. You don't know that you were wrong. You know, you're on the bus. I was say you're on the bus learning the Mishnayas. And... Uh, and the old lady gets on the bus. Now it's me. I get on the bus. People get up for me. I'm so happy. But but uh, but you're learning Mishnayas. You learn Mishnayas. You're looking down, and you sort of out of the corner of your eye, you think you see somebody that you should get up for. But you like the Mishnah that you learned, so you say Talmud Torah. And if they say Vatokum, they say who's going to win? So you, you might call it wrong, but you're not going to feel badly when you get off the bus. You feel just fine, so you have to do, you have to do tshuva for that as well, but you don't know that you have to do tshuva. So in the olden times, the Kohen Gadol took care of all of that and purified the nation because we couldn't do it on our own. We needed Yom HaKippurim. And today, or we say the, the, what's called the Viduya Katsar, Right, and we sing it. We're so happy to admit that we've done all these terrible things, and everybody likes the nigan of It's like a, it's like a winner. The nigan, it's always as good as chad gadya, but uh, maybe not. So, is the notion that certain days are more propitious for? There is, there is a, a, a Rosh Chodesh, Erev Rosh Chodesh, and uh, it's, it's in the Urim. The Urim said that four times that uh, that are uh, very good for that is a Sarajimei Tshuva, which the Rambam also mentions that the Tshuva of Yom Kippurim starts on Rosh Hashanah, and that Kiyash Shofar, the Rambam said Kiyash Shofar, Remez Yeshva. It like it reminds me of something. 
it reminds me of the tshuva of Yom HaKippurim. And the tshuva of Yom HaKippurim, as we've said, is the tshuva on those Averos that you don't really know about. I mean, you know what you did, but you, you may know what you did, but you don't know that it's an Averos. You know, you thought about it, but you say, gee, I'm in the clear, but maybe you're not in the clear. So you need Yom HaKippurim. You need Yom HaKippurim. So there's the individual tshuva that you could do every day. There's the special tshuva of Yom HaKippurim, which includes Aseret Yimei and includes also Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, by the way, according to the Rambam, is also a day of tshuva, which is the beginning of the Aseret Yimei And therefore, it's all connected to it's all that's why Chazal say Chazal say uh, you know like if you live through Rosh Hashanah so you're in good shape right you make, if you make it through Yom HaKippurim so you you've achieved so if you live through Rosh Hashanah it's because I I did the, my personal tshuva I did what I have to do but I know Yom HaKippurim that I, the, the, the deal is not done I need Yom HaKippurim. I need to be purified from things that I can't do on my own, but can only happen to me because I'm part of Klal Yisrael. These are the, the two basic uh, times of, of Kapara that come up every single year, right? Every day, and Yom HaKippurim, which starts on Rosh Hashanah to Yom HaKippurim. It's every, every, uh, uh, every year. But there's another kind of kapara. There's another kind of tshuva and kapara. And that tshuva and kapara is mentioned in Dvarim Perik Lamed, which you have on the other side of the page, right at the beginning, in Parashata Tshuva. Now what is Parashata Tshuva? Look with me at the Pasuk, Pasuk Alevayaki, All these things are going to happen. What things are going to happen? The things that are written at the end of Parshat Kitavo. You have to remember, at the end of Parshat Kitavo, there is a detailed explanation about the covenant. If you do the right thing, good things will happen to you, with a list of good things. And if you do the wrong thing, however, terrible things are going to happen to you. Terrible things. And that's the end of the Torah, in fact. Which is similar to the way the book of Vayikra ended. Right? The last parashan, Vayikra, is Bechukotai. And in Bechukotai there is a covenant. Good things will happen if you do good, and bad things will happen if you do bad. Not exactly the same, but it's close to being the same. That covenant was apparently denied, usurped, broken, when Am Yisrael as a whole refused to go to Eretz Yisrael in the parashah of Shlach. So since the covenant in Bechukotai is somehow conditional upon everybody going to Eretz Yisrael, the fact that Am Yisrael rejected Eretz Yisrael meant they also rejected the covenant. And therefore, 38 years later, 38 years later, when the Jews were going into Eretz Yisrael, literally, Yoshua was about to take them into Eretz Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu was about to die, uh, that time, a new covenant was written. 
and the covenant of Kitavo, and that was basically the end of the Torah, right? The Torah's mitzvot, covenant. The original covenant in the parashah B'chukotai, apparently, no longer was relevant. Even the Chazal say, covenant, the first covenant was for Bayit Rishon, and the second covenant was for Bayit Shani, but in any event, in any event, there's a new covenant, and a new list of interdictions, at the end of the parasha of Kitavo, and that's what this pasuk is referring to. It's as though the pasuk says, if there is an agreement, it's going to happen. Right? When you make an agreement with God, it's not that you put in paragraphs for no reason at all. Well, you know, if nothing happens, none of these paragraphs are, are relevant. No, no, that's not how it goes. But if God said, if you don't keep the Torah, you're going to be punished in the following way, that's as though it would have said, when you don't keep the Torah, you will be punished in the following way, because you wouldn't have a clause in a contract with God that never would happen. There's no such thing. So again, the Pasuk says, When this all happens... The bracha, the blessing, and the klala, the curse, right? Asher natati lefanecha. So now where is everybody? They're all in the diaspora someplace, suffering here, suffering there, saying more, they're less, right? We know about the diaspora. And you will return to your hearts. You will kind of, in other words, there's a promise that you'll be able, the promise is you're going to be able to go back to Eretz Israel. What is the prerequisite to going back to Eretz Israel? The prerequisite is that you should be able to do Tshuva. And you will return to God. You will return to God and you'll do what has to be done. Now look at Pasuk Gimel. This is the Verichamecha. And God will return you. You will return to God. God will return you. And Mishaviki Betzcha Mikol Ha'amim Asher Vitzcha Hashem Elokecha Shama. God will redeem you. There'll be an ingathering of the exiles. Okay, that's what we pray for. That's what it's, we say in Shimona Esrei. So what, what is the special thing that we are referring to? He says, If you really found in God for second places in Africa, God will take you back from there. Misham Yikachecha Peviacha Hashem Elokecha la'aretz Hashem Yerushu Avotecha v'Yerushta, and God will take you back to the land which your forefathers have inherited, and you will inherit it. It will be good for you, even better than it was. Now we're up to Pasuk Vav. Pasuk Vav is the critical Pasuk in this whole story. The Pasuk Vav says, Umal Hashem Elokecha Levavcha Ved Levav Zar Acha. What does that mean? 
Umal Hashem Elokecha et Levavcha. God will circumcise your heart. What is circumcision? Circumcision is a change in the physical makeup of the boy. Right? It changes him. It changes him forever. You have to do the circumcision so that it never becomes uncircumcised. And if the child becomes uncircumcised, you circumcise again. You can't do it. I mean, that's the whole trick to circumcision, right? You have to do the, what you do, peel back what has to be peeled back, and then you have to tie on some kind of bandage to make sure that it grows in place there, that the change that you have affected in the physical condition of this child never changes. So, of course, the Darshanim will say, here we are, completing God's work somehow. God made man, boy, right, in a certain way, and we improve it, of course, according to directions, of course, according to divine direction. And therefore, God enables us to be part of that process, to be part of the process. So now, if that's the case by circumcision, what does Mal Hashem Elokecha et Levavcha mean? It means that God will effect an essential change in you. So what will that essential change be? That you remain committed to God. There was one of the promises, one of the promises in this parasha called parashat tshuva is not only that you will do tshuva, not only that you will return to Eretz Yisrael, not only that you will keep the Torah and the mitzvot, but that you're not going to be interested in changing that. What we call the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, or this inability sometimes to see where is Tov and where is Ra, that's gone. It's gone. We're, we're going to be able to, we won't be able to uh, uh, use Ra. We won't have a Yetzirah. We, we will only want to do what God tells us to do. This is kind of some sort of messianic, messianic prediction. The point is, the point is that God promises B'nai Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu that they will not be an eternal yo-yo in history. That they won't eternally go back there in Israel, that they kicked out of Eretz Israel, go back there in Israel. But at the end of days, of these days that we are talking about, after they have been exiled for some un godly amount of time all over the world they will be redeemed but not only will they be redeemed it's like it's like B'nai Yisrael B'nai Yisrael about to go into Eretz the book of Devarim also I've mentioned it Moshe Rabbeinu starts talking to them and telling them how bad it was how bad it was what they did they did this wrong and they did that wrong and of course the question is question is, well, why did Moshe Rabbeinu do that why do you have to tell them how bad they were just when they're going into Eretz Yisrael, they just finished a, a, a sentence of 38 years wandering around the desert, which was not commuted, and there was no, there was no uh, deal. It was all of the 38 years. So why does Moshe Rabbeinu take the trouble to remind them of the fact that they were so miserable and unconnected and unable to maintain a proper standard of devotion? After all, they're going into Eretz Yisrael. Don't you think that Moshe Rabbeinu should encourage them? 
So along came the Ramban. The Ramban in his introduction, the Ramban is introduction of the book of Devarim, the Ramban says, says that Moshe Rabbeinu was not, was not trying to insult them or remind them of bad things that they did. Moshe Rabbeinu was doing the opposite. He was saying to them, look, you did all these bad things and you're going to Eretz Yisrael in spite of it. So you see that God has an interest. This is what Moshe was trying to, trying to say. They would say to him, look, we've done it, we've messed up in the past, we'll probably mess up in the future. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, but God is interested in you going to Eretz Yisrael, you're staying in Eretz Yisrael. Here, what the parasha is saying is that even though even though you've been punished and you've been exiled and now you're being returned, the yo-yo position of Am Yisrael has come to an end. Am Yisrael is a different entity. They're not able, they're not any longer interested in their own Yetzirah, their own negative uh, inclinations. They see the point of following the Torah. It's all clear to them and it won't happen again. That's the parasha of of Shuvah. Now, if you look at the Rambam, turn the page, the Rambam. The Rambam, in this, uh, where is the Halacha here? You see, there's, there's Perik Zayin Halacha Dalet and Perik Zayin Halacha Chet. Hey. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dalet and Hey, right? Perik Zayin Dalet and Hey. No. Very sad. Yeah. Perik Zion. Yeah. Dalit and Zion. Yeah. What do I have? Perik Zion Dalit. Perik Zion Hay. Yeah. Perik Zion. Let's do Perik Zion You see Perik Zion Hay? It's um, 30% of the way up from the bottom. Kol Anaviyim. Kol Anaviyim Kulam Tzivu all the prophets, the Rambam says, they're psukim, we could back it up. They all uh, commanded us to tshuva, directed us to tshuva. What could that possibly mean? What does that mean? What do you mean the neviyim? It's a mitzvah in the Torah. We just went through that. According to the Rambam, Why does he tell me that the Nevi'im wanted me to do tshuva? The, the Nevi'im have to want me to take a lulav of the Nesra? Or the Nevi'im have to want me to eat a matzah? But I have to eat a piece of matzah. Pesach. That's what, I, that's what the Torah says. Well, what, what's this business about the Nevi'im? But if you look carefully at the Rambam, the Rambam says, Tzivu ala tshuva, Ve'en Yisrael nigalim ele b'tshuva. And there's no geula, there's no redemption, national redemption. And Yisrael nigalim. There's no such thing as a national redemption except through the medium of tshuva. Everybody has to do tshuva. Everybody has to do tshuva. So kol hanaviyim, they're not talking about the tshuva which is a mitzvah. Which tshuva is a mitzvah? My tshuva, my personal tshuva. I've got a suvidui. I've got to own up to what I did. That's what, that's what uh, tshuva is, personal tshuva. But Kol HaNaviyin promised us, as the Torah says, it's just a promise, it's not a mitzvah, that everything is going to change someday, and that what is going to 
define Geulah, redemption, is going to be tshuva. It's not just physically returning to the land, but it's actually returning to God. And that returning to God and returning to the land are really the same thing as far as heaven is concerned. I know that we have to pack a bag and get on a plane and come, but, but from the heaven point of view, there's no difference. There's no difference between Shuva and Gula. It's the same. It's what we're trying to do so that, according to the Rambam, there's our eschatology or Christomathy. There's our religious history that is directed by this notion of tshuva. And that really the individual tshuva that I have to do is almost like a practice for the national tshuva, which will change me and the world in which I live. And finally, the one who enunciated this best is the Ramban. If you look at the Ramban, Ramban, Ramban starts on the first page on the other side. Here he says, Veshavta Hashem, look at the second line, Pasuk Bet. Veshavta Hashem, Elokech, Veshavat, Vekolot, Vekol Hashem, Elokech, Vekolot, 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 Okay, listen. Shetashuv El Hashem, Vekol, 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 You got to go back to God with your entire heart, your entire soul. Nitkabel Alecha, Baal Banecha, Nedorotam, Lasot, Kekol Hashem, Elokech, Vekolot, Vekolot, in other words, your tshuva will be so profound, so great, so that it will it it will have an effect on succeeding generations. What tshuva is that? That's national tshuva. It was you can't expect your children to be impressed by the fact that you're doing tshuva for something that you did wrong. But this tshuva is not about what you did in the past. But it's about reshaping the future. That's what the tshuva of Perik Lamed in Dvarim is about. I want a different future. I don't want a future in which the Yetzirah annoying me all the time. I don't want a future where I, I don't know what is right and what is wrong. I want to get that all out of the way. I want to know. I want to know what's right and what is wrong. I want to do the right thing. So the Ramban says, the Ramban says, he says, he says, of the fourth line, Kasher Asaf Bigula Shenit, as was done when the Jews came back to Eretz Israel in Nehemia, right? Now let's skip to Malashem and Kachel Debavcha. You see that? It's uh, five lines on the bottom. Zeu Sheamru. This is what the Gemara meant when it said. Somebody who wants to be purified, he gets support, help in this process of, of purification. I promise you that you will return to God with your whole heart. And God will help you. God will help you to do this tshuva. That at the time of creation, 
Man had this free will to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. And this was true for the entire period of time that we were obliged to keep the Torah. There was this deal, you do good, you get good. You do bad, you're going to be punished. Aval, Limota Mashiach, listen to the Rabban. He says, in the Messianic era, what is the Messianic era, according to the Rabban? Abhira Betov Lahem Teva. That, that be doing the right thing will be nature, natural. That, that's what I'm going to want to do. It'll be like drinking water when you're thirsty. It's the right thing to do. Drink a little water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, His heart will not drag him in the direction that is unacceptable. That's what the Messianic era is. The Messianic era, according to the Ramban, is about clarity. It's about clarity. Well, either that there was a change in your genetic makeup, or there was clarity. And the clarity enables you to see Tov and Ra. And we have to all know, we all know examples where people do the wrong thing, but they've convinced themselves that it's not the wrong thing. But most people, most, I think, I mean, not that I've counted them, but most people don't want to do the wrong thing. They want to do what they want to do, but they want it also to be the right thing. And so if you really are into it, you can explain almost anything as being the right thing, any kind of cockeyed behavior as being the right and proper thing to do. But in a world of clarity, in a world of clarity where everybody knows this is right and this is wrong, uh, it changes for the individual. He's no longer the person who's going to make that, who's going to make that determination. He says, Lo lahem the and that's the circumcision that is mentioned here, the Rambad say. Ki Turn the page. Those things are simply chemda, desire. Etava, desire. Are lalalev, they kind of cover up your real heart, what you really want. And, and so there'll be a minor change. I don't know, it was, you know that the Rambam didn't think that in Achrita Yamim or Yamota Mashiach there would be actual changes in the world. But that people, people would be enlightened. Jews would be enlightened, non-Jews would be enlightened. They would, they would just wouldn't see the point any longer to the, to the small-mindedness or to the, to the uh, disputes that people have about about all kinds of things. That's like, you know, uh, like Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he came down from Har Sinai, I can tell you a story of Sakhtar, I'll tell you a story of Gustav, 
Because it was a Rosh Hashiva's latter years here in Yerushalayim. And Rechobi Ibn Ezra, the building of the yeshiva is still there. There is some sort of a yeshiva there. Of course, there was a very interesting man. He was a partisan during the war. He fought in the, uh, in the forests in Poland. I mean, and before that, he was appointed a Dayan in the court of Chaim Ozer in Vilna. He was a Dayan in the court of Rabchaim Ozer. Now, if you are in that field, you're in that field, it's like you're over the top. You know, the court, the cover of Chaim Ozer in Vilna was considered to be the outstanding court, and the Dayanim on that court were the outstanding Dayanim. So Rav Gusman, Rav Gusman lived here in Yerushalayim. I met, I met him several times. I knew people who knew him very well. But he was not uh, so interested in style. You know, he, he showed up, uh, his hat was on backwards, or his, his long coat was flopping around. You know, he didn't button it, and he didn't wear a tailored coat. That, that's, that's how he was. So they, somebody asked him, he said, look, Rav Gusman, you know, you're a Rosh Hashiva, don't you think you should look good? How come you, uh, you're not careful about things like that? So he said, he said, uh, well, you know, you wear these clothes, people wear fancy clothes because they want to be honored. They want everybody to know that they are somebody and not nobody. Right? So you wear, you wear clothes that define you, right? Like a uniform. Everybody wears a uniform. And the uniform says, I am so-and-so. So he says, when I was 19 years old, 19 years old, I was appointed a Dayan in the court of Rav Chaim Ozer in Vilna. And so on the day that I was supposed to start working, I walked in, all the Dayanim got up. For me. I was just a, you know, a young man. So I said, what honor could I have after that? So it was sort of like an explanation of why he didn't look. He didn't look or try to get honor because he had it all. The same thing with Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, was closest to God. So what's the point? I mean, to get a good seat in shul. I mean, it's like sort of, things become in that kind of perspective unbelievable. Like, they don't exist anymore. They just don't don't exist. That's why, you know, Jews, the the humility of Jews is that when you go to shul, everybody, I'll talk about men now, every man counts as one. That's a very kind of leveling experience. Like if you have nine, nine guys and all of them wear long black coats and black hats with two buttons on the rear, there are only nine of them, they can't dock them. And one guy comes in who's like wearing jeans or something, or work clothes, then they can dock them. So dominating is has this aspect of it to be very democratic and very humbling. It's a humbling experience. So what does the Ramban say? Back to the Ramban. The Yesheva Adam, on the first line, Yeshuva Adam Bismana Ula Sharia Kodim this is the Ramban the Ramban says you know the Torah tells me the story of Adam Rishon and how he got kicked out of Gan Eden why? 
Why does the Torah have to tell me that Adam Arishon had kicked out of Gadeh? It would be good enough to start from Adam Arishon working the land, trying his best, trying, like like all of us. Why do I have to know that Adam Arishon was in Gadeh and got himself kicked out of Gadeh? So the Ramban is of the opinion that Gadeh remains the ideal, that we're all going back to Gadeh, east of Eden. Not so east, but we're going back to God. We're going to back to God. And what does that mean? What does that mean? Just as when, uh, that's what he continues to say, when other Arishan was born, he had clarity about his relationship with God. He lost that clarity for some, for a reason, but he had clarity. So the Yemota Mashiach, according to the Rabbana, somehow built in to the created world. It's already there. It's not like, you know, the Rambam doesn't, Maimonides, he doesn't like the fact that the world should change around. So the Rambam is saying, well, the world doesn't change around. Because there was the Garden of Eden, and there was Adam in the Garden of Eden. And that's what we want. We just want to be the way we were supposed to be. We're not trying to get a good deal. This is the way God created the world. God created the world with Adam Arishon and Chava in that Garden of Eden. And so it's all there. The garden is someplace, okay, we can't go into it today, but it's there. And, and there's no reason that we should not be able to return. This idea of returning to the Garden of Eden is something that the Ramban finds very, finds very compelling. So that the fourth level or the third level of, of tshuva that we're talking about is the ultimate tshuva. There is this idea of ultimate tshuva, that the ultimate tshuva takes Am Yisrael, brings them to Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael turns into Gan Eden. And Gan Eden becomes the place where people have clarity about their relationship to heaven, which is really which is really always the issue, as Rav Nachman of Bratzlov tried to explain again and again, that it all comes down to Emunah. That's all there is. There's no proof, there's no certainty, there's no way to... to uh, to describe it in a way that everybody will will accept it, it's all about it's all about faith, and faith is something that can't be contravened. Like a person who has faith, you can't argue him out of the faith. You just uh, just can't. And it's true. Sometimes people who have faith say silly things, but that doesn't. I mean, that's not the issue. The issue is. The issue is, is faith enough? And faith, according to Rav Nachman Brasim, is enough. And certainly the Ramban, the Ramban came back to Eretz Yisrael because he understood it in this way. And even though his act of coming back to Eretz Yisrael was maybe not relevant to ultimate gula, but it's like anything that an individual does. You know, you can never tell when people might follow him or might pick up on it, or, or move in that direction. That, that was the Ramban. Ramban came to Eretz Yisrael. There was no minion in Yerushalayim. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine that uh, he had to go to Hebron to get a minion of Jews to Davin Mincha. I mean, it was uh, the Beit Knesset Ramban, what we call the Beit Knesset Ramban in the old city, was built so that there could be a minion in, uh, in Yerushalayim. So things have changed. Things have changed from that point of view as well. Uh, so again, I just want to say it again, there are these levels of tshuva, the lowest level, not the first level of tshuva is the tshuva that you do for yourself for transgressions that you know about. The next level of tshuva is the tshuva of Yom HaKippurim, which starts actually at Rosh Hashanah, where we have to kind of understand that there are things that we may have done wrong that we don't know about, and we want to get 
to be absolved from that kind of guilt as well. In the olden times, it was the Kohen Gadol who did it on our behalf, right? And 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 what we do today is we confess every every transgression that is imaginable in the hope that it covers what has to what has to be covered. And finally, this idea of tshuva and gula redemption. Uh, uh, like individual or communal redemption, but also the physical redemption, bringing us from the diaspora back to Eretz, Eretz Yisrael. Tshuva is the essential uh, component of that of that process, and Tshuva recreates a kind of the wor- a world according to the Ramban, the world of Gan Eden in our world. Right, the world of Gan Eden is a world of clarity. Wasn't that the meals were so good, or that there was everything was was cooked by a French chef? It wasn't that way. It was just that it, it was clear. It was clear that God was God and man was man, and that was something that created peace, right? And the transgression. I mean, that's a, I would say as a footnote, the transgression, as I think I've mentioned, the transgression of Adam Achava had something to do with exegesis. Right, they they understood that they didn't really know what God had told them. It was God said, "Don't eat," and they thought, directed by the snake, that if you can't eat, you also can't touch, and if you could touch and nothing happens to you, then maybe you could eat. So they they said the wrong shot because they only had God's word. They didn't have Torah Shmuel Peh. Torah Shmuel Peh is what helps you avoid saying the absolutely wrong shot. Right, so I mean, it's that's what we learned from from Adam, from Adam and Chava. Okay, I wish you well. Have a good Shabbos. Tova, and uh, so next Wednesday we're not going to have a shir. We'll resume, I guess, after Sukkot. The Wednesday after that is Yom Kippur. The Wednesday after that is Sukkot. So we'll resume after Sukkot. All the best. <laughs>